All right. Welcome everyone to the Path of Exile community podcast, Faded Connections with Ballermage and myself. We're welcoming the one and only Amy Cat and Aphelion to our podcast today to discuss everything heist. Since the podcast is constantly growing, I'd like to not only say hi to the live audience, but also extend the warm welcome to the viewers on Baller Mages YouTube, as well as all the listeners on the various podcast platforms that we can be found on. Good morning, afternoon, evening, day and night, everyone. We're a couple of days into the upcoming League Hype season for Path of Exile Heist. It's another 12 days and uh, 22 hours and like 50 minutes until the actual league starts. And we've not only had a very high production quality trailer, but we've also had some teasers here and there. But before we go into the heist announcement, I would like to hear from our guests a little bit because you're the first time on here and some people may not know you as well as they know us. Uh, would you quickly give us an introduction and tell us what your background in regards to PoE is? I've seen you both around quite some time. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't, but I don't know where exactly you started. Maybe you, you already played all the way back in beta before it was even a game that I played. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Amy. How are you doing? And uh, yeah, where you come from? Uh, I'm doing very well. I started playing PoE. It'll just be about three years in November, actually. So I started at the very end of Harbinger. Um, and I like to think I've gotten a little bit better since then, but uh, pretty much have played through those those three years. So I've got, gotten a little bit of experience under my belt. Uh, still fall into a lot of really rookie noob traps, but have fun doing it. So there's that. <laughs> so many, though. <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I felt really bad about my deaths. They were super scrubby. And I mean, I'd love to think that I'm like playing for a little bit longer. But honestly, I, I when when I die, I feel like I, I, I'm not playing for longer than two years because those devs are usually very scrubby. But yeah, uh, hi, Aphelion. Also, how are you doing? Hi, pretty good. Um, I the, the story of when I installed PoE and when I started PoE are actually very different. I um, I was playing, I, I, throughout my gaming, I guess, career, I've gone on D2 kicks where I just go back and revisit Diablo 2 every now and then. And one particular time I was playing on the r slash Diablo Reddit D2 community and um, heard about this game called Path of Exile. So I, I downloaded it. I got to the character selection screen. A friend called me. Um, I left the computer and went and hung out with him and didn't go back to PoE for about a year and a half until <laughs> um, when I actually <laughs> properly started the game. <laughs> so I, I officially started about halfway through Essence League. I've been playing pretty solidly since then. It's, that is a very easily distracted person. <laughs> Dude, I, I remember Essence League. Went to, went to this thing and then an, a year and a half later I tried it the second time. <laughs> I, I can't explain it. That's just what happened. <laughs> to be But fair yeah. though, like no. I saw the game quite a bit bit earlier than I started playing myself. Like I think I was watching Wings of Death stream uh, for the League of Legends, and he played the game here and there between League of Legends games. 
and I saw it there, but it was in beta, so I wasn't really super compelled. I think I just signed up and then never played it. And then end of 2014, some friends asked me to start playing with them and then checked it out. Luckily, already had an account. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Balor, when did you start playing Path of Exile? <laughs> I, I have no I idea. Literally, I literally can't remember. I know what league it was. It was um, Bloodlines. Oh, okay. The yeah. Same, yeah, I think same we had that league conversation before. That's when in. I also started. Yeah. yeah. Softcore was doing Torment and we were doing Bloodlines, I think. Is that's the first time I did a league start. I was playing a little bit at the like end of the league before that to like learn. That's back when hardcore hard leagues were different. Yeah. So we literally started at the exact same time without knowing each other for the next three, four years. <laughs> yeah. And I started in hardcore and then played the first roughly 20,000 hours just in hardcore. I never started in softcore, never learned nothing. Just straight into hardcore and stay there forever, apparently. Only left recently for softcore. Is, is that an approach that you recommend to new players nowadays? Oh, sweet Jesus, no. Just hop right <laughs> into the gauntlet. Go big yeah. or go home. <laughs> yeah, there's... I no longer think there's any benefit at all to playing hardcore outside of a race scenario. But... Or, or pure preference. Sure, there's no benefit for it. Like, I wouldn't encourage anyone to do that. People who are going to enjoy hardcore are going to go there all on their own without any pressure from me. I'm going to encourage you to do softcore. Well, next league I might, depending. But uh, yeah, we'll see how uh, the, the landscape of private leagues and everything unfolds. And we also haven't seen like a super high amount of details about how the league exactly works. But the league has been announced on Tuesday night. We got like a, 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 I think the shortest trailer ever. It's like two minutes, 46 seconds or something like that. I was really surprised at how short the trailer was and how little you actually saw about the league mechanic in the first half of the trailer before the developer commentary. But uh, before I bias your unbiased first impressions by telling you mine, um, what was your first uh, impression going into the trailer, Amy? Um, so initially I was a little bit not underwhelmed. I think I was just kind of like, okay, it's, it's a league. It wasn't anything that completely like rocked my socks or anything. Um, but then kind of going back and watching Ziggy's interview with Chris and going through the, the AMAs, um, I think that that very much changed my opinion. It cleared up a lot of the the questions that I had that didn't really seem to be answered from the initial trailer. Um, so I, I'm kind of to the point where I'm very ready and very excited to interact with, um, you know, new NPCs, the, the new gems, new base types. It It's starting to make a little bit more sense. So I'm definitely on board at this point, hyped up. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I think we're going to talk about the gem. The gems are going to be like an entire own section. Uh, yeah, I think Aphelion just survived a massive cough attack. Uh, what was your impression going into the trailer? 
Yeah, sorry about that. Apparently, um, coffee is what's going to take me out. Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, I kind of. I, I think the I, secret is just to not inhale it. I'll, I'll have to practice that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of echoing what Amy said. My, I guess my first pass through the trailer kind of left me with more questions than like hype. I guess like usually when I watch a trailer, I'm like edge of my seat, ready, like, let's go, like, what's what's going to happen, you know, and this time, I guess, kind of my head was kind of swimming with kind of questions, like, okay, this is, this is definitely different than anything that they've done before. What exactly is that going to entail for what our gameplay experience is going to be like? But I think as we've learned more and more about <clears throat> how the league works, uh, the hype, I feel for me, is slowly building. Um, you're, I think you make a good point that it's, yeah, the, the shortest trailer we've ever had. But I think another interesting thing that I noticed about the trailer in particular is um, it wasn't very lore heavy at all. The, the trailer focused or seemed to focus mostly on gameplay elements. Like, here's what your gameplay is going to look like. And it seems like they're kind of leaving the lore either to the imagination or to be discovered. You know, because in the past... It's all been, you know, I am Jun. I am here to hunt down the Immortal Syndicate and figure out who the mastermind is and all that. There's almost none of that in this trailer. Yeah. So it's leaving a lot to, to the imagination. And I, I honestly kind of prefer that approach. Um, so I, I think after having a chance to digest it a little bit and read their content that they've released since the, um, since the trailers come out, it's starting to build the excitement a bit more. And I think, I think they have said it's rather lore-heavy, like all of the voice acting there's tons of different lines and like there's a lot of stuff going on and they just sort of just didn't tell us they were just like you'll you'll see yeah exactly yeah yeah see that's interesting because for me i had the opposite kind of impression when i watched the trailer i for me it was like i mean now in retrospective after we had the q a with ziggy and chris we know that a lot of the stuff that happens in the first half of the trailer is actually in game but when i first watched the trailer i wasn't sure like for me it was just a massive lore kind of thing where they try to establish these uh, criminals as like a team of people that go on a heist together but i didn't know like when i watched it well to to what extent does that apply to my gameplay experience? Like, am I going to be the guy, one of the guys who like opens the doors or who, like sneaks around, or am I going to be the guy who plans it all? Or is this all just you know guys separate from me that are doing this thing, and I'm just trying to do what they're doing, but like I'm on my own? Or it, it was really obscure for me how it was going to work. So yeah, I agree that the the Q and A did definitely clear up a lot of things, a lot of questions. Yeah, but, so it seems like we had, even though we had similar kind of questions like we, we had sort of a similar experience of the of the trailer itself which was that as we we're watching it we're just full of questions like what does that mean what exactly does this mean for my gameplay and the the questions may differ from person to person but in general um it seems like the the the, the trailer left me in particular just asking like what the heck is this going to look like for me and um it's it's hard to get excited about things that you're like unknown on but yeah. like i think that's where their communication post-trailer has been absolutely on point. Like the AMAs, the responsiveness, kind of anticipating community concerns and um, you know, kind of being upfront with, you know, we're going to watch how this, these elements go, et cetera, has been really, really good. And that's kind of put my mind at least at ease on a lot of things. All right. 
So what's the aspect that you're most hyped about or like what would you find most interesting about the league? Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off, Ballery. You, sound, you, you looked like you wanted to say something. Uh, I just, I think this is the best um, like post-release timeline they've ever given us for like a response and the, the Q&As that came out like at rapid speed. I was incredibly impressed with how quickly like Bex took to Reddit and the forums to address what seemed like a pretty large flood of concern from, you know, all walks of the community. Yeah, it was so quick when they were on and then there was just like, it was like the next minute it felt like. It was like, here's a big Q&A with all of the answers to the things that have been most common. And then like a day later, they're like, part two, here's some more stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, it was just all really, really quick. It's fantastic like, too. And like it, it kind of behooves them to do that because you guys know how fast the rumor mill can start spinning and you know how players' imaginations can just totally run wild with misconceptions yeah. and stuff. So the sooner they answer that stuff, the better. And they've done a great job of that. Yeah, absolutely agree. There's there's been it's not even a week ago, and there's been so much content around like what we have to expect and how it's going to be. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely very hyped. Like the thing is, they also got used to to the situation now, I suppose, right? Because with Harvest, they were kind of thrown into the cold water with uh, the, you know with the lockdown situation, having to work from home, having to coordinate all the stuff. But now that they figured it out, I think they're much more productive on this one. They're going to be able to you know just pack way more content into this league and into this hype season than into the previous one. But yeah, talking about the league, like what what's the the one thing that or is there one particular thing that caught your eye where you say this is what what makes the league for me or we're, we're, what I'm really looking forward to? I'm actually really really looking forward to seeing the new the alternate quality gem possibilities. I think that that is what is like really just at this point I'm kind of honing in on that. Oh hi Sage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hello that, boy. So you're you're hyped about the rewards. Like I'm trying to, to put it like categorize in my head. I was more like asking about the leak mechanic itself, but like getting excited about the rewards obviously. Yeah, I think it's the rewards then because the um like the the new base types and stuff too, those all kind of fall under that same category. There there's something new that I think will be a very interesting new way to explore different builds that have kind of fallen into like a cookie cutter build um category almost so maybe they'll give gems that aren't used quite as much or skills uh an opportunity to be used very differently than anything that we've seen before oh for sure yeah yeah i've seen the the ones that i've seen so far seem quite impactful i agree well for me personally honestly it's the it's i mean as much as i hate leagues that promote a clear speed meta i'm really hyped about this under pressure going in getting your loot like deciding what you want deciding on your escape path and executing it and the fact that you can lose everything by by not making it out in time that you're not guaranteed to keep the loot but the loot is marked as contraband and you can lose it i always i'm a big fan of um of leagues that kind of mix hardcore and softcore a little bit or like game elements that do that so if there is a fail state, like in the in the lab, for example, where even in softcore you have to play deathless or you have to play 
without certain flaws, without certain errors. That's that's always super exciting to me because I think it gets people from you know hardcore into softcore and people from softcore into the hardcore mentality, which I always think is really good. I I really 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 approved of that a lot when I was uh, reading through all the things and whatnot. I was like, this is something that is needed. I really don't. That's the like I moved away from hardcore, but the the one thing I miss is any form of punishment, mm. which in my opinion doesn't exist before level ninety seven. Like that's the first time I notice a death. Is you going to be ninety seven before I even care that I've died, and I feel like there could be more things that have some form of punishment for failure states even in softcore, that don't involve losing your entire character. And something like that is kind of perfect for it, right? Like, Because it's just sort of like, well, here are some rewards as long as you get ahead alive, and you can't just log, you have to make it to the exit. But if you do, you've got it. And then it's there forever. It doesn't matter if you die on the other side. I just, I really like that. I think uh, for me, it's, just the entire concept of having an alternate endgame. Um, some people may call it content bloat, but for me, I I love I love more content. Give me more content. And you know, some people like delving, some people like bossing. This may, I mean, we don't know yet, but this may turn out to be another thing that people do. You know, I'm a contract runner. I buy blueprints and I craft them and I run them. And there's bosses and loot and stuff like. There, there's. Mm. I think there's potential there, and again, we have to play it. We have to figure out exactly how deep this rabbit hole goes. But I think the idea that there's something else cool out there that could potentially be a long-term repeatable activity for people to do is really exciting, and um, something that I think the game has kind of missed a little bit since uh, since Delve. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Although I'm. How should I say that? That's my biggest gripe. I didn't want to bring it up that early, but it fits with the topic right now. My biggest gripe with the leak, outside the... I mean, it looks amazing. Don't get me wrong. It's the best-looking leak since Betrayal from from my personal view in terms of complexity, in terms of, like, replayability and everything. Of course, we don't know all about it. We'll have to see as soon as it is out. But um, it really seems to be just an endless amount of combinations possible so that you know no two people will have the same heist experience at least not within the you know first month of the league probably not within the entire league there's just so many different variables to the whole thing but one thing that i found really that left me wanting more but that's also because i had my expectations i had my hopes up um since Betrayal, we really haven't had any league that changes the core gameplay, like the actual, you know, gameplay in maps, because none of those leagues were, none of those leagues asserted <laughs> something onto the player. All the leagues were just purely optional. You you click a thing and then something happens. Whereas with Betrayal, you had the random chance that it could be not fortification it could be not transportation could be not research but it could be intervention in every single map that you're opening so you always you were rolling your maps more carefully you were moving through the maps differently you're like okay wait gotta be careful 
And that, that's what I'd really love and what I was hoping for with the league. But I'm not super upset that that's not happening. And I see the upside because obviously a lot of people, especially newer people, don't like stuff spawning in their face and forcing them to interact with it. But, you know, MGGG. Pre-nerf, pre-nerf intervention when Elrion would step out of a portal and smack you in the head with his hammer. Yeah, there were some problems with it. I'm not saying that was 100% well executed, but I like the general idea of it, of you know something randomly disturbing you while you're playing the game. At least the chance always being there. Like I said, it makes you play with a little bit of different mindset, a little bit always that scared thought in the back of your head. They could pop around the corner. But obviously the way that it was presented in Betrayal was uh, problematic for a lot of people because the telegraphing wasn't really that obvious. And on top of that, there was massive performance problems for a lot of people. So unless GGG is able to make sure that that's not going to happen for anyone, I'd much rather them taking the, the approach of it being optional content, right? So it, if it causes performance problems for you, at least you can avoid it. Mm. Um, one other thing I'll bring up that I am very excited about uh, from watching the trailer and the gameplay demos, um, just from like a pure, this is a video game standpoint, did you guys notice how smooth the animations and you know, things like, like the rigging and all that, like they're really making a step up in that regard, I think. Like NPC pictures and models are much more clean. Um, some of the animations are really cool, and I, I know they'll get repetitive at some point to, to, to look at over and over. But mm. if this is what we have to look forward to in PoE2, it seems like they're really making big strides towards modernizing the appearance of the game and making it more appealing to a wider audience that way. Mm. Yeah, I agree. That looks amazing. That might not be something that you know, we as ultra tryhards are super that interested in, but you know, it, it definitely helps draw in new players. I don't even think I noticed. <laughs> it's definitely good, but I definitely didn't notice. Well, there's that like that slick new NPC screen, like when you go and talk to an NPC. Yeah, the NPC dialogue, culture. exactly. Yeah. Someone pointed that out on Reddit and was asking, is this like what we're looking at for PoE2 for all vendor dialogue? And, uh, you know, according to some, I don't know who exactly it was, some GDG member answered, it was like, yeah, we're testing it here with the NPCs. So, yeah. And definitely look forward to that. The The interface looks super polished. Yeah, I agree. We saw it on the screen right now. It's uh, the interaction yeah, like with the NPCs <laughs> and the, the planning screen for the heists. Very good. Yeah, like there's that one screen with um, <clears throat> the, the NPC like doing the bob and weave and all that through all the lasers. And I mean, it looks so slick. It honestly looks and plays like a, a trailer for a movie. It, it could very well be a movie trailer. And I think at first that, that was kind of what I thought I was watching. I didn't think that that would be legitimate gameplay that you were watching. It's, it's a leak that you don't actually play. You just watch it. <laughs> Metal Gear Path of Exile. <laughs> Yeah. So I think one thing that somebody had actually asked me about, like kind of more of a prediction about the league was, and, and my response was that I, I was kind of hoping that it would be a bossing league to some degree. 
And I think when I first watched the trailer, I was a little bit disappointed that it didn't seem like that was going to be something that this was centered around. But then after some of the AMA um, and, like answers that they had, they had actually made sure to, to indicate there, there's definitely bossing. There are bosses. And then actually you can just see it in the, tra- the trailer that's looping. There are a couple of like quick shots of like these big mech, almost like dog-like creatures. And they look enormous in one, in one part of the trailer. It's chasing you. And so I'm, I'm really amped up to see what kind of, even if they're not necessarily like all huge bosses, if we have mini bosses along the way, I'm really hyped to see what that consists of. Looking for that Indiana Jones running away from a wolf. Yeah, like stealing it, the idol. It's crazy. It looks so cool. Hmm. It makes me wonder I mean, what the combat abilities of your uh, NPC hirelings are. I think they said pretty damn minimal. It's their job to do like other stuff, but not really fight. Hmm. But boss fights are always pretty interesting, but sometimes a problem like. Ashabi to me this league was not good, but the tier four seeds were really good, interesting mechanical fights that were really fun. It was a weird step down to go from all the tier four seeds being really good to the Ashabi being like boring. And a culmination of a hundred maps or you know whatever to yeah. get to Oshabi and then be a little let down. So I do, I do really hope that the boss encounters are. A, more tier four seed, less shabby. <laughs> I hope there's just a wider range of things. I, I mean, feel like Oshabi was just underwhelming by the time, course. by the time you got there. But Oshabi was, I, I mean, if you looked at the people doing Oshabi in the race, it wasn't super boring or anything. There is some mechanics involved, and and there's some pressure to do those mechanics correctly. Otherwise, you will die. If you're doing it in a race scenario, it's just like most people, especially in the softcore league, were terribly overgeared and overprepared for the fight, if I understand correctly. I mean, I feel like everyone was overgeared this league. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, as long as there's more than just one boss encounter and they're at varying degrees of uh, difficulty or of like how deep you are into endgame with your character, I think it's going to be fine. Yeah. But yeah, we touched a little bit on the on the hirelings not being super combat compatible, but they seem to be specialized into specific skills like lockpicking, blowtorching, uh, brute forcing stuff. Ah, here, that, there we got that mech thing. I honestly, I've seen it once, but I never thought of it as a boss. Is that confirmed that that mech thing is going to be a boss? I don't know, but so there was just that one part in the trailer there, and then like 30 seconds later, there's a part where I'm assuming that it is you trying to escape, um, and it looks like it is the same thing, at least from my interpretation of it, and it Mm -hmm. is chasing you, very much behind you, and he's shooting out these lasers kind of right behind your feet. Um, oh, so there, yeah, yeah, it, oh, yeah. It, it it seems like right here, yeah, that it could very well be, you know, it could be some kind of mini boss or, you know, something that's not just a quick clear yeah. clear mob. Hmm. That will be interesting to see. Man, I hope there's more like that. I hope there's like some bosses that we haven't seen in the trailer or some, yeah, hopefully, I mean, 
presumably. Did we see Oshabi in the Harvest trailer? Well, I guess we did, obviously, as I in mean, a base form. Think, yeah, we just we didn't know she was the boss at that point. Just a, we just saw her as an NPC, not a not a fighter or anything. Yeah, that was kind of the big reveal. Is like Oshabi's the bad guy, you know. Uh, I quickly want to pick up a question from chat because that fits right now as an interjection. Uh, are you guys scared or excited to go back to currency crafting from harvest crafting? So excited. It's going to be like a band, you know, you just got to rip the bandaid off. Just get back to it. It's been, it's going to be okay. We existed before harvest. We will exist after harvest. And yeah, that's how I look at it. But like for a player who started in harvest, I'm really sorry if you started That is in daunting. Of, yeah, if that was your first league, oh, you're just going to feel so much weaker. Like, for the rest of us, it was just like, ha, I have ultimate power for a league. But, but I've, I've, been, I've been weak for a while. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, a if you walked into this league, no matter what they do next league in heist, it's going to feel bad for you. Right, like you're gonna. Yeah, I'm dreading having to like try to cap my resistances and not being able to be like, all right, let me just go run to the garden real quick and throw some, you know, lightning res on there or something. Like you have yeah. to actually start to think about that again. It, I'm really worried about chaos res, actually. Oh yep. yeah. Oh shit. And it was I, so easy to cap chaos. I think ultimately, though, it's it's just gonna be. Just a pill that we're all going to have to swallow and just accept that we're going to have to lower our expectations again. Um, you know, because where we, whereas we had them sky high before, expecting, you know, desirable affixes in every single slot, we've got to go back down to accepting the fact that there's going to be some scuff and builds yeah. will still work with that and the game will still be playable with that. And it's a challenge to us as players to navigate that landscape. That's just the reality. I did some like rough path of building ing. Path of building ing? Anyway. POBA. Um, yeah. On, uh, on what you would actually need. And outside of a weapon, if every piece of gear had only tier three affixes at the most and only three affixes on it, you can still get res cap and a decent amount of like life and defenses from it. Chaos res cap? Without anything above tier three. And with only three affixes on each piece, I got to, I got, I got a, kid, a character that was like moderately well geared, had six and a half k life still, and then had elemental resistance cap and chaos at about twenty, like positive twenty. I mean, and I was the like game using three affixes on every piece of gear only without going above tier three, and I was like, okay, if we can't make this work again without harvest, we're in trouble. We just need to remember that some dead affixes are okay on some pieces. They don't have to be <laughs> perfect. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. <laughs> like the, the game was designed to be playable, and all the content was designed to be doable with some scuff on your gear, T3 affixes, etc. Just like your experiment, which is a really good experiment, by the way, Baylor. Um, and I, I don't think any of us want to live in a world where the game is designed to be played with perfect gear in every slot. So 
as mm-hmm. as uncomfortable it's going as it's going to be to be playing with gear that has stun block recovery on one of your suffixes and mana on one of your prefixes and T3 flat added fizz on your eye level 78 steel ring. Um, the game is designed to be played that way. And anything beyond that is, you know, good job. You know, A plus, you're a great crafter. Yeah, I agree with that. And also, like, as much as it was great to be able to get all those items easily in Harvest, it also led to the fact that you're barely excited about the items anymore once you got them because you kind of expected them as the baseline. And that also led to rare item drops, which are already kind of a problem in the game. And a lot of people are already not picking them up at all because there's no chance they're better than what they can craft. And that, yeah, went completely through the roof with Harvest. Like, n- there was no chance whatsoever that anything that you picked up was going to be better than what you could easily make with harvest crafting. So my caveat to that is, and I was going to kind of say this before, but then you reminded me. So I, I agree that it's going to be awful, but like playing in the gauntlet where you, were, you had a another penalty to your resistance is kind of been a nice bridge between softcore trade harvest to, to you know, moving <laughs> forward for heist. That being said, I am the filthy pleb that does pick up a lot of rares off the ground and magic items. And playing in the gauntlet, I picked up a magic wand that I just randomly ID'd with plus one all spell skill gems and a plus three bow that I randomly ID'd. So, you know, I'm probably going to still be picking up my rares, maybe even more so now. going to take some of the strictness off my loot filter. <laughs> Which definitely brings right into that the whole uh, lucky loot thing that they're trying. I really hope that that works well. There's Quickly, like, before we I go into everything. that, there was one point I wanted to interject, and that's like, I honestly think it's even better if you started in Harvest than if you started in, say, Delirium, because in Delirium we were just showered with loot, so you just buy all the items that you want. At least Harvest got people into engaging with the existing crafting system and learning about mods and tiers and bases. Mm. So I think someone who started in Harvest will still be better off next league than someone who started in Delirium going into Harvest. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm super hyped definitely about the, the double rolled or triple ten, tenfold rolled rares. Ten, like what, ten times rolled, yeah. And best result picked. But the problem is if I pick up ten pairs of boots off the floor, they're probably all garbage. So I'm, I don't but know. There's how they're, mo- they're more likely to be like one good pair than if you just pick up one good pair, right? I mean, yeah, I definitely no, have that when sometimes you get a favorable base with uh, the Bloodline yeah. mod with, uh, what is it, Keepers of the Trove. And then you pick them all up. I mean, you probably don't, but I do because I want this, uh, the SSF okay. alterations. And uh, and sometimes there's a good one. It's like rare, really rare. And I don't do the five for one recipe, but sometimes yeah, my, it's good my, stuff. My favorite filters don't show gear. No rings, no nothing. Usually not even alterations. No jewelers. Half the leagues I've got fuses turned off as well. Like The less I have to pick up, the better. But if they make the gear good enough to pick up that I'm happy to pick it up, thinking every now and then I'm going to get a piece that's worth something, that would make me happy and I would turn that gear back on again. It's just not It's not worth it now, but I would very much like it if, if picking up gear off the floor was actually worth my time. 
You would that like would it if cool. using your item filter would feel like a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, like I should I, I should want to put at least, you know, the really good base types that I want. I should want them on my filter so that I see them and pick them up. I don't, because right now that's just not worth it. But I really hope it is so that I can put it back on and it doesn't feel like a waste of time. I think that's just this league's grand gameplay experiment, right? Like last league it was, let's see what the players will do if we give them an item enter. Um, this league is, <laughs> let's let's see what the players will do if they actually start picking up rares. And it to me, this is less of like a gameplay mechanic that I'm super, super stoked about and more of a, you know, let's all participate in a big experiment and see how this works so we can make PoE2 better. That's how I look at it. And um, I'm happy to do that, but I'm not personally not super optimistic that even if you pick up a random pair of boots, like you said, Baylor, and chaos orb them 10 times, that I'll be finding one or two or whatever good pairs of boots from that. But yeah. um, we got to try it, right? And give feedback, so. Well, but they're not only rolled 10 times and the best ones picked, but that's also, that's exclusive to the bases with the, um, with the enchants on them, right? So there's also the super powerful enchants that we've seen, like the all sockets are linked, which is probably going to be more rare than the Harvest 6 link craft that no one has ever seen. I'm still not convinced it existed. I still haven't <laughs> seen it either. I found two in one day and then never again. Ah. Aphelion <laughs> had the good loot seed. God Sorry. damn it, I couldn't. I couldn't. Quite literally the good Sorry. seed. Sorry. <laughs> Wait. Loot seed? Get it? Oh. The scenes? Really? Yeah. Uh. Dad, <laughs> <laughs> God. Hey, uh, Baylor, I used one of them on a leveling item. <laughs> because you thought it was super Guys. common? N no, I just needed a sex link. I yep. didn't have anything else, okay. Yeah, I was super, super hoping for one to spawn for me in the gauntlet race. That would have been great. But after all, my RNG wasn't even enough for a baited breath after 100 plus hours of play, so... Yeah, I was feeling kind of bad watching you play through Catmaster. Like, bated breaths seem to be dropping, like, just not for you, I guess. <laughs> RNG, yeah. even RNG, man, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's but... Like so common, too. Like, like, every, like, I don't know, one out of ten maps on average will have one in there. Like, they're so common. I just couldn't get one. That's rough. Well, now you're just rubbing it in. Well, the thing is, honestly... The, the beta breath is just kind of a scapegoat that I always like to bring up, but I also played piss poor in the, in the league. Like, I made some really bad decisions, <laughs> and some of the rips, well, certainly I had my fair share of unfair rips where I was like, well, fuck, that felt like a death sentence from the game, or it was like, there's nothing I could have done to prevent that from happening other than being like a literal god. Yeah, the cannibal, the random cannibal spawn. For those of you who don't know, there's like tormented spirits in this game. There's like 24 different ones that you could get. And sometimes they randomly spawn next to the map boss in like one out of 200 to 500 maps, right? And there's 24 different types and pretty much none of them would have been a problem in a totem boss. But what I got was tormented cannibal script and that spawns cannibals and they throw torches, which in an LMP league is basically a death sentence. But they also don't have like a, a wind-up time for it. Like they spawn and they instantly throw, like the moment that they spawn. So it's like 
while your brain is still trying to process that there's cannibals, you're already being torched. So I think with godlike uh, reaction, I could have prevented that one from happening, but there was some other pretty facepalm deaths where I'm like, okay, I completely deserve that. And to Can be I honest... Tell you about one of my dumbest near rips in the gauntlet? Absolutely, please. So I, I didn't... My only six deaths in the gauntlet were in mudflats. And after that, I managed to make it to the end. But <clears throat> I had one near rip where it was off stream. And I was sitting back in my chair, hanging out with some friends in Discord. And mm -hmm. I had my left hand on the back of my head like this, as you do when you're playing the gauntlet. Um, and I was doing, a, doing some low tier maps to try to get some seeds uh, for some crafting and harvest, because, you know, as you do in the gauntlet. And all of a sudden, some Veritania mobs popped out and shotgunned me. And I watched a 10.8k ES go down to 3k. And my hand mm -hmm. went, like, I, I flat palmed my keyboard, fumbling for the the escape key. I did not hit the escape key. I hit the F1 key, which is the help screen. Um, and then I saw my 3K ES go down to 1.2K ES. And I'm pretty sure my butt cheeks smashed together so hard that I could have made a diamond. <laughs> like, if I were standing, you'd have heard, like, the whoop sound like a book closing or something. Like, it was... it was. But I finally managed to get to, to the lo exit to login screen button and um, had a mild heart attack. And, yeah, that was fun. Well... Well, better make sure next time you get a piece of coal between your butt cheeks. <laughs> uh, well, uh, no, I, I actually got scared just from listening to you telling that one. Well, I hate like these moments when you like mechanically fail to log out for some reason. And you're like, oh, Thanks I want to click close. this. <laughs> Uh, what, what about oh, Strongbox thinking it was a bench? What's Strix saying there in chat? You get a Strongbox where you thought it was a bench? Oh, yeah, that was another one. I, um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Trix. So I think this was in the same Discord session. I completed a safe house with Haku in, was it uh, Fortification, I think? And I was kind of Id idly not paying attention. You know what? I'm getting the sense that hanging out with friends in Discord is a common theme here. Um, so, Trix, I blame you. <laughs> um, but uh, Haku in Fortification gives you a unique strongbox, not a bench. And I went up and clicked on his bench and was really surprised when um, three packs of monsters spawned all around me. And Ooh. Yep. That, and yep. I wasn't paying attention because I was, yeah. Like for at the beginning of that, I was like, "How do you accidentally click on a strong box thinking it's a bench?" No, syndicate. That's how. Yep. No. Yep. That makes sense. Damn. I mean, the 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 core here is that I wasn't paying attention. Um, so, <laughs> oops. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Amy, you got any any near death experiences or actual deaths that you want to talk oh, I have about? A couple of real. I have a couple of death experiences. Uh, so I made it to maps twice. Um, my first rip was to, is it, it was a T4, I think it was a Vol temple map with the, the chicks that like absolutely just barrage blast your booty. And of course with all the, with LMP and everything, uh, I could not outrun that and I just got destroyed. Uh, that was number one. And then number two is a little bit more of a kicker for me and it, uh, it was 
uh, crystal is it crystal veins with the three bosses and the rotating, like which one you can actually hit. Um, I got, I was trying to do shield charge and I kept getting stuck on the little rail cart like path. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the crystal ore boss. No, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, it yeah. took me a while because crystal veins is like I think in the Azurite mines or something like that. Yeah, I uh, I got stuck and I just got completely lit up by the big rock guy. He like throws whatever it is that gives like the anti consecrated ground underneath you, and I just see my life starting to go down, and I panicked to log out, and my client froze. The whole entire game just froze, mm. and then crashed to desktop and when i went to log back in i was no longer i no longer had a character in, in the gauntlet so i was i was done at that point <laughs> oh man okay. yeah i had a bunch of logouts that took really long in the league as well I was like one of my first deaths was roars and mudflats i just walked into a blue pack and like nope i'm logging out and then i saw my character walk away from the center of the screen not logging out, not logging out, like 0.8 seconds or something like that, and I was dead. <laughs> I'm convinced that the real endgame boss of the gauntlet was Mudflats. Those Roas just came up and just just kicked you in the nuts over and over. And, and you didn't have a movement flask. You you very likely didn't have movement speed boots or anything. That was that was rough. See, the, the trick is to make a ranger mule and to do the do hail rake without going into Mudflats. <laughs> And just get the quicks over there. <laughs> no, because it's like, that. well, like a lot of people did that because Scion is such a pain to kill Hillock with, right? And you really want that onslaught gem. So that's a, someone pitched me as an idea. And when I tried it, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's much better. So I just rolled a ranger. Ranger is like a free Hillock kill anyway with burning arrow. And then you just run into Tidal Island and get Hailrake. And then you get your Quicksilver. Plus, if you time it smart, you get like to check the vendors at level two, and then you level up from Hailrake and the pack next to it, so you get to check the vendors again at three for movement speed boots. Yep. So in any no. future all mods, I'll do that. Sorry. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that that would have been a lot smarter than what I did. <laughs> you did, Sion. <laughs> yeah, I zerg rushed mudflats, man. I deleted six characters. <laughs> <laughs> Six characters. Yep. Well, that that was a fun little little interjected topic because I wanted to talk about the gauntlet, but I honestly, once we started the podcast, I was so hyped to talk about heist that completely forgot forgot about that. I had that planned in my head that I was like, now let's talk first about the gauntlet race a little bit because a lot of people are going to want us to talk about the heist, but not everyone's here yet. So let's keep that for like the peak of the podcast. But I ruined it all. Now, now it's a mess. We'll never recover from this. We did our best. We had a good run. Uh, so what's what's the next uh, next topic? We talked about the punishing uh, losing rewards, like pseudo hardcore. Um, Actually, I, can I make a point about that? Absolutely. I, I really liked what you said. Um, I think it was you, Baylor, about there needing to be more punishment mechanics for softcore. I, I, I strongly agree with that. Um, I think that the contraband system is going to provide for what I feel like anyway. I feel like it's going to provide for the, some of the league's more exciting moments. Like 
picture you go into a heist and the first thing you open is a box that has an exalted orb in it and you still got the rest of the heist to go you have a decision to make do i bail right now and keep the exalted orb or do i go on and you know earn the markers back and get a bunch more gear and potentially risk dying like there's this pressure to perform now that you have with this thing that you might potentially earn in the back of your head and that's the kind of thing that you tell stories about to your friends later on right like that's i'm i'm really hyped for that and that that situation is fantastic because it's obvious to everyone if you think about it objectively that if you have a chance of failing you leave immediately but that's not what we're going to do <laughs> no the there's going to be no. Nope, nope. I think that this is even more of like a weird hybrid of hardcore and something else too because when you think about it even in hardcore you risk yeah you you risk your character dying and everything but the the stuff that's in your inventory still goes with you back to standard. So if you get a mirror and you die, you still have that mirror in standard. This yeah. if you die, it is deleted. So it's it's almost one step worse. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I didn't think about it like that. I mean, arguably, most most hardcore Temple League players wouldn't really care about having something in permanent or not. But if it's about a mirror, yeah. If if I could press a button that would just delete all of the account information that I have on Standard League, I would press that just to clear up database stuff for them. Like, I couldn't get less. Public mm. service over here. Yeah, like... I get they're never going to put that button in because too many people will press it by accident and then get upset and they'll have to go back and undelete thing. I get it, but but I would press the button intentionally and mean it because standardized one that exists. Mm, there's <laughs> yeah, still think, there's still things. The... Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say that there's like still things that I care about in standard from my old characters, like just like legacy items and stuff like that. But I'd happily press. Uh, delete all button on 90% of my stash tabs, which I'm never gonna clear out without having that because it's just too much work to click every <laughs> single item. Yeah. But um, the point I wanted to make was thinking about the contraband system, I, I guess I've seen some pushback a little bit about that system or some hesitation, I guess. And though my kind of take on that system is like when you pick up a contraband item, you haven't really in an action RPG, when you pick up an item, you're kind of claiming ownership of it. But the contraband system accomplishes a couple of things. You're not really claiming ownership of the item when you pick it up. You're just kind of demarcating this item as like, I would like to own this. And now there's a set of criteria you have to go through to actually earn it. It also does a couple of things where it makes sure you have inventory space for that item. Um, so you're not like overclaiming or overbooking your inventory spots. And it adds, like, I, like we were talking about earlier, uh, pressure to perform to actually complete the criteria to actually earn that item. So I think it's a brilliant gameplay mechanic personally, and um, it should lead to a lot of high pressure situations. And as long as players don't get it in their head that like I've, because it kind of breaks the sort of core behavior, like the interaction with items on the ground that players are used to. Pick up an item, I now own it. That's not how it works with this particular system. When you pick up a contraband item, you don't have implied ownership of it anymore. You're you're, you're marking that item as like, I would like to do the thing that's required to own this item. So it's like I'm reserving space in my inventory for it. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, it's important to look at it like that. I think it requires, like, in order for it to be good or well-received among the community, it will require a sort of um, 
mind state state of mind shift for the for the players that they actually don't look at it as their loot but they look at it as an opportunity to uh, opportunity to get that exactly. loot exactly but i do appreciate the the way that we can directly choose our loot i mean there has been leagues in the past where we could choose our loot like betrayal definitely let us choose our loot to some degree right delve lets you kind of decide which notes you go to um uh, i think i guess in synthesis you could also kind of work towards certain nodes rather than other nodes but it's all very indirect choice and like only a choice in kind of category of loot what you could want but nothing specific but here now you actually get presented with the specific item that you will be rewarded with so it yeah it, i think it's like a stronger incentive to actually finish it because yeah yeah You already got it almost in your hands, right? Like, but it could still disappear. I, I think it's going to be great. That I'm looking forward to the most. This decision making of, like you said, you find the first thing you find is an exalt. Now, do you get de uh, discouraged by that? Are you like, hey, I already got an exalt. How much better can it be? Let's just bail out and keep that exalt for sure. Or are you going to be like, hey, if the first thing that I find is an exalt already, how much more valuable stuff is going to be in here? Maybe there's something that's even 10 times better. Yeah, because if you bail Unless... early, you're losing the opportunity cost of recouping other potential gains from the cost of the contract itself, crafting the contract, the markers that you paid to run it. There, there's a lot in play that you have to think about. If what drops at the front is a mirror, leave immediately. Otherwise, I'm going to keep going. Even if the right choice with an exalt drop is to leave. Depends on whether you I'm need the exalt. Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. But there's more. I want more. Give me more. If there's an option for more, I'm going to take that option. And I'm going to risk losing everything to get it. Because that's fun. If you get an uh, an exalt from the first chest in a heist, are you gonna bail or are you gonna keep running, Amy? Mm, depends if it's day one, two, three, or like week four, five, six. We'll see. I don't so know. on day one to three, you would risk it or you would keep it? No, on day one to three, there's a pretty good chance that I might just go ahead and back my little butt cheeks out of that one and put that in the bank. I don't know. It depends. And it very much depends on what my currency situation is. If I'm if I'm comfortable, I keep going. If I'm broke, I probably back out. Also depends how um how common the the contracts actually are. If we're, if I'm able to, you know, immediately leave and then throw another heist back together and go again, then probably wouldn't feel yeah. quite as bad. But if it's something where I feel like I've invested heavily into the heist, then that might be a different story. Yeah. Someone feel like they gotta be at least quite common because there's really nothing that's added to like our base maps or base story zones other than the ability to drop those contracts. So if you don't get at least like one contract per area, similar to silver coins in Prophecy League, then you're going to be like, yeah, well, what's even different? Like, I think there needs to be at least one contract per zone. 
every 12th yeah. map you can do a grand heist or something like that according to chat yeah like pretty much like the temple of Atsuadl, right like every 12 incursions except yeah except actually rewarding and and you don't you could just bank them up and not run them and and in three days time run six hours worth of them if you wanted to which is much much more my style of like I don't like temples because I have to do them immediately. They annoy me. But I really like Delve because I can not worry about Delve when it shows up for a week at a time and then be like, hmm, got 45,000 juice, might go spend that. Yeah. And I like, I like when they let, I like when they give me a lot of content, but they let me choose which content to do. Because it lets me skip things I don't like and spend whole days doing things I do like. For instance, I will never run a blighted map again unless it's on the challenge list. Don't like them, not running it. But blighted maps are worth money and I will sell them to people who do like running them. Hmm. That's fine. <laughs> but like if I was forced to do them, like if they were... If there if there were rewards like you pressed the the whatever like pustule thing that blight has, and suddenly a portal to a blighted map would open, and that would be your blighted map, you would feel like you had to do that, or you were losing that opportunity. Yeah, that's not. And then quite I would that have to, to do them, and I would hate them because I would be forced into it, and I don't like the content. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I really, I'm a really big fan of the, it just not being forced down my throat because I'm really going to like doing it, but I might just be in a mapping flow and just be like, yeah, I'm not going to do that yet. Yeah, it kind of feels cool, then, the idea of being able to, yeah, first day of mapping, to just blast through maps and save up like a stash tab full of contracts and then to just dedicate like an entire day or half a day to just running those. Yeah. That's that something? kind of how I felt about um, Delirium too, though. I felt like, you know, you would run all of these maps and you'd get tons of splinters and you would have this giant stockpile back in back in your hideout. And if, eventually you had to run those simulacrums, right? Like, don't get me wrong, you got a ton of loot from them. But good God, that was boring to run 20 waves over and over and over <laughs> again. And then to even have to do it again this league as part of the Endgame Grinds Challenge. It was just more reinforcement of, yep, that's that's still boring. It's still a loot explosion, but it is still boring. So yeah. hmm. Wow. I never I never did more. enough simulacrums to get to the point where they were boring. They were always like super exciting edge of the seat for me. Because yeah, <laughs> I sell simulacrums now for the same reason I sell blighted maps. Uh, too many of them bored don't want to do them. Just too repetitive. Yeah, I think I haven't even had all the town zones yet. That's how, how few I did. I did like four or five of them in total. So I, you know. See, that's the life of hardcore, though. Or you SSF. get to play the easiest 60% of the game. And then that's it. That's all you got. <laughs> hmm. Depends. Depends on Only whether like, you actually make a good build or not. Like, it's definitely, it, definitely gone past the easiest sixty percent a couple of times, but it's not not 
on a regular basis. Unless you're like Dan. Dan Dan should definitely be playing Hanko. <laughs> he's in he's in stuff harder than I can do in softcore most of the time. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, uh I think we're going to talk a little bit about the new gear slot before we talk a little bit more about the hirelings and stuff. Uh, so there's going to be a new gear slot introduced in Path of Exile Heist, which is going to only affect your rewards, not your character stats or anything else like that, but it only affects what kind of rewards you're getting from heists. And some of the mods are also rumored to be extending beyond the realms of heists, but also in into regular maps and stuff. Um... What are your thoughts on, on, you know, having a dedicated gear slot for loot customization? I, uh, I liked the way Yoji's actual trailer put it. Breach rings done right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually a, a really good observation, I feel. Because um, <clears throat> it's, it's a gear slot. It's not meant to be straight power creep for... You know, like it doesn't give you any affixes that give you more life or damage or whatever. It just affects your drops. And I think it's another interesting axis of configurability for your heist gameplay. Um, some trinkets are stronger than others or give different rewards. Um, I kind of look at it as like an itemized pantheon a little bit for heist specifically. Um, whether that's a good thing or not, and we're going to feel the need to swap and juggle trinkets around, we'll see. Um, it may just be a set and forget kind of thing. You know, I've got this badass trinket and it does everything I need and I'm just going to wear this forever. Um, that'd be okay with me too, but I I feel like the, <laughs> the, the big thing I'm worried about, maybe just with me and maybe other people can say whether they agree with this or not, but I feel like I'm, if I put on this badass trinket, I feel like I'm going to be encouraged to take more risks in heist and kill more monsters and open more chests because I want to maximize my use of that crazy good trinket. Um, right. So I, I think it's an interesting axis of configurable, like configurability for your character's rewards um, that has the potential to let you get carried away with it. Um, whether or not we need to juggle and shuffle it, we'll see, but... Um, I'm I'm in favor. I think it sounds interesting. You think there's maybe something that they're going to like going forward in PoE in in interviews and uh, Q and A's. I've always heard a little bit of a regret from PoE developers that item rarity and item quantity are actually in the game as they are on items because they compete with actual stats. Do you think going forward it might be something that they're they're looking to move away from that there's like yeah going to be item stats on that specific slots but uh, on that specific slot but not on other items so that people don't get to sacrifice offense or defense for a magic find well thinking back to my d2 experience um magic find was a very popular way to get items and i think Path of Exile kind of works similarly right now where your quant rolls force you to sacrifice player power um, in exchange for the promise of more items. But 
Um, the proposal to move quant into this dedicated gear slot for quant, hmm. I'd have to think about what that would look like. I mean, it almost seems like that would just feel like some kind of mandatory slot that they would have to balance the game around. Um, yeah. So if I'm understanding you right, um, I get the sense that that would kind of make PoE a bit more one-dimensional in regards to that. But I don't know. Maybe I'd have to think about that before I before I could comment anymore, I guess. I haven't thought about it a whole... I haven't given it a whole lot of thought, but it, oftentimes when they introduce things during leagues, like in this case, the trinket system, it, it's like foreshadowing foreshadowing uh, something that they plan to do in the long run with the game. So having seen a lot of leagues and you know leagues being announced, being played out, going core, this is just a thought that crossed my mind. Do you have any thought on that, Amy? I think that my take on trinkets in general is probably a little bit more surface level. Um, I have never really done any kind of magic fine character, so I guess to think about it on that level, it, it's probably almost a little bit wasted on somebody like me. I mean, I see it and I look as, okay, cool, it's potentially something that's going to give me more free loot. But out, outside of that, it's not... It's not something that I'm probably going to invest a ton of time, you know, really mulling over, you know, one between another. I might have a couple that I swap out or have like a rotation of, but as far as like quant and everything, it's not something that I've ever really considered all that much. It also looks like they're not going to be craftable, right? They, they drop corrupted. So we'll just basically find them and then put on the best one that we have and... So for some scenarios, it's probably going to be not that obvious which was going to be the best one. But in many cases, you'll probably just look at them and be like, yeah, this one's clearly better. Yeah, it might be something where, you know, depending on whether you're playing hardcore or SSF, it might be a little bit more important to, to pay attention to what you're what you're slapping in there. But I would say for softcore trade, there's going to probably be a couple of mods that are what everybody really wants. And those are going to be the ones that are expensive. Everyone's trying to buy up and outside of that, I'm, I'm guessing there's probably going to be a lot of garbage stuff on a good chunk of them. Yeah. I get the sense that it might just be one of those things where they give you the freedom to not bother with it. If you want, just slap on a trinket and run with it. But if you were super you know, min-maxing things, then you could do things like, hey, I've got this trinket that turns regals into chaos, into exalted orbs like we saw a tease. And maybe I save that one for a grand heist that has a lot of currency boxes, you know, because you can see them ahead of time, right? Um, and then I use a different trinket for some other case, you know, that well, if, if there's not a lot of currency boxes or something. I We don't know yet, but um, that's kind of my initial impression. Yeah, true, true. I mean, yeah, you could you could be like, I expect a lot of chests or a lot of monsters in that particular heist. So I'm going to use this trinket over the other trinket. I could see that being a decision being made. Yeah, and like, I think it's just one of those axes that they give players to fiddle with if they want to, right? Just another knob to turn. Um, so if you want to fiddle with it, you can. Um, if you don't want to, then just slap in whatever you think is your strongest trinket and just run with it. Just like Pantheons, right? Mm. 
Yeah, I definitely don't make it to red maps regularly without opening the Pantheon screen. Forgetting to apply even basic ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh dear, why is my life flask not filling up? <laughs> the soft core slippery slope in full progress. Oh no, I did that in hardcore too. <laughs> <laughs> this is a me problem, not <laughs> <laughs> I just I just forget the pantheons exist. I forget to do the passive points for the pantheon sometimes, and uh, you know I uh, have done that a few times all the way up to like ninety and ninety two. <laughs> Eagle is nice. just so far away. What do you want me to do? Right. Well, in terms of the rewards, which is I think the the last big point on the list what are you most excited about are you excited about the alternative quality gems are you excited about the replica uniques or the experimental base types that we've touched upon all of those a little bit but it seems like each each of those three type of rewards are very very promising to give us new new ways to play the game to build mm -hmm. our characters I, I remember think I'm it. most yeah. excited about the quality gems and the the unique bases. I I want to be more excited about the replica uniques. I really, really do. Um, but I feel like I'm probably going to be let down a little bit with some of them. Maybe you just <laughs> haven't seen the right one yet. I'm I'm hoping that something comes along. Look, someone in chat mentioned a possibility. That I'm positive won't happen because it would be too strong. But replica headhunter that had dex in an energy shield instead of dex strength and life, and I want one. <laughs> I thought that the replica headhunter that steals mods from white monsters was uh, was better. <laughs> so I was I was actually kind of daydreaming about like a replica headhunter that stole mods from magic monsters. Okay, magic would be a okay. Like, imagine stealing, like, a Bloodline pack thing or something. Yeah, yeah. And There's then having so a good... Magic monsters in a map. You're, you're running around, and all of a sudden you steal Order of the Frozen Sky, and you're now a Whispering Ice build. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there some... That reminds me of, like, a weird bug. Before they re reworked Dominating Blow, I think you could Dominating Blow a Bloodlines pack, and as soon as they ceased to exist, you would get, like, stacks of Corrupting Blood that you couldn't remove because they weren't from the enemy or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember RiceQT dying to something like that. Uh, but yeah, luckily that got reworked. Mm. Yeah, honestly, the Arch Archmage support with the alternative quality looks really, really juicy. It's like getting okay. added cold damage equal to a percentage of the mana cost. I think that was always one of my biggest gripes with the Archmage build was uh, that you wouldn't be able to freeze and chatter unless you were you know, looking to give up power by reserving a Herald or getting flat damage, which was kind of useless on the build. Cold Brotherhood. Yeah, true, true. But um, I don't know. Yeah. The I'm I'm interested, but also worried about how many slots in my stash are going to be taken up by gems with ultimate quality. I mean, There's we don't know how common these are. Well, 
there's like nine hundred of them, so they better be they better be relatively common. I mean, there's like nine hundred helmet enchants, and they're not super common. <laughs> <laughs> right, but they are though. Any yeah. specific helm enchant isn't common, but yeah, how yeah. many helm enchants do you get in a league? Well, sure, as many as you run Ubolabs. But no, well, they just drop on the ground. Yeah, so yeah, there's, there's certain certain rewards. They just give you almost always places. garbage because yeah. we only want some specific ones. But and how often do you drop an enchant? How often do you get an Uber enchant as a drop? Like most of the time, it's only the the merciless enchant. Or... I, I don't know, like six, eight, twelve a day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not making that. Like that's six to twelve ish a day, roughly. Yeah, but you're also playing a different game then. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I mean, I've I've found a good one like once, but but just any, yeah, they're relatively common. <laughs> I think I have a, a couple of screenshots of uh, of teased um, quality gems. Maybe we could discuss those a little bit. Let's see, can I open this like this? That could actually work. So look, on the screen right now, we got Blade Vortex and Faster Projectiles. So the Blade Vortex alternative quality that we've seen here is the one that grants 0.1% of damage leached as life per quality, which means up to 2% of damage leached as life, and it's generic damage leech, meaning it's not limited to any particular type of damage, but yeah, it's, it's any damage, lightning, fizz, cold, fire, chaos. What do you guys I think, think they're, about that? Uh, they're a really interesting way of kind of reimagining a skill. Um, <clears throat> not everybody will be a fan of me drawing this comparison. I'm not a fan of me drawing this comparison, but it kind of reminds me of runes in D3, um, where okay. you're kind of reconfiguring your skill. Yeah, here we go. Um, <laughs> Where you're kind of reconfiguring your skill a little bit. Um, the only difference is it's not, you know, changeable on the fly or whatever. But you're, you're kind of reimagining the skill a little bit and giving it some different functionality that might enable a build or let you gear slightly differently. Um, so, like the the blade vortex thing is a big one. Like getting life leech on a spell build is not typically a very trivial thing. Um, so you, know, you might be a blade vortex chieftain or have an amulet with some life leech on it. So that I think this makes it quite interesting. It takes away the benefits of your base quality, but it gives you something else that you can potentially play around. I mean, the base quality on Blade Vortex, for example, is pretty negligible. It's, I think, AoE, right? So it's 10% AoE for 20% quality. I feel like AoE is much easier to get than generic damage leech on the tree. Hmm. For sure, but then there will be cases where you know you're playing a build that doesn't need leech, so maybe you'd prefer the AOE. So it's you know it's an option. Yeah, I've heard people talk about the you know like the infamous poison BV build where your hit is not actually that significant, so the leech may not be as impactful. I don't know, blade vortex leech. I feel like it's. I feel like that. I feel like that one's actually really huge. Yeah, but. I think it's very hard to get the specific leech that you need in a Blade Vortex build to the point where mm. it's sufficient to make you hit leech cap. And I think 2% goes a long way. I mean, I've certainly played Blade Vortex setups 
with life leech just in the link because I needed the leech so badly and I didn't have any other way to get it. Like with a soul tether or stuff like that. Hmm. So yeah, if um if the rest of the alternate quality gems head in this direction, then I think it makes for some pretty interesting possibilities. Um like which which of the other alternate quality gems have you guys seen that looks good to you? We got Infernal Blow, Shock Nova, Reef, and Reckoning on the screen in, in case you guys can't come up with one. I'm a little interested in the Creeping Frost one, which I still cringe every time I have to call it Creeping Frost. I prefer to just go Arctic Breath, but <laughs> uh, I played Arctic Breath before, uh, I think maybe like even the 3.6 change. And it wasn't a bad skill. It was just, I mean, it was never used. I never heard anybody use it. Then it got a couple of little love taps. Uh, and we ended up actually, um, Adam, Arcanin, and Mar, we had like a friendly race. And we ended up having chat voted that that was a skill that we had to use. And again, it, it wasn't bad. And it's kind of started to gain a little bit of traction, I think, over the last couple months I've started to see a lot of people using it as like cold slinger um and it's been something that I've been messing around with the last couple weeks maybe um so to see that that has an alternative alternative uh quality option and that it is that the frost effectively is moving faster I'm I, I want to play around with that I'm actually excited to play around with that do I think it's going to be amazing Probably not, but it'll be different. It'll be a different way to play something. So that sounds kind of cool. Hmm. I'm not sure about the Creeping Frost. That that seems pretty much like maybe not even an alternative way to play, but just straight up stronger. Because that movement speed, a lot of people are disagreeing on that. Like I've, I've seen discussions on the forums and on the Reddit, where people are like, oh, that's useless. And other people were like, no, I just played it. And it's so huge if you have that increased movement speed on the chilling areas. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's going to be one of those things that I think is a little bit difficult to, to really say one way or the other until you try it. But hey, it's something new to, to, to give it a whirl. So I'm down. Hmm. 40% increase of one square meter per five seconds. Well, it's movement speed. Square meters are area. I mean, like, actual meter. But it, I, I don't know how much it moves per, per second, honestly. But I can imagine the 40% definitely being noticeable. Like, when you're trying to clear a pack. It's the difference yeah, between I'm, I'm having to cast clear. a second time. I think time. it'll be fun. But then I'm sure that, you know, there are other, uh, so one of the things that uh, I was looking at before was the anger aura that they put up where the quality, then it, it now translates to increased burning damage, I believe, if I remember correctly, um, which I want to see more aura gems like this, this piqued my interest a lot because there are a metric ton of you know aura gems that nobody bothers qualitying because it there's really no <laughs> benefit in qualitying um so like give me malevolence like hit me with the good stuff i want to see what this is i, I want to see what else is out there i'm intrigued 
But yeah, so with 900 gems, we're expecting like three three alternate qualities per per skill in the game and per support approximately, right? I forgot about auras. I forgot the, those... Mm, I want all the nobody quality ever qualities them. <laughs> yeah, yeah because really they're only point. AoE. True. Like, if you're not playing a minion builder or an aura bot, then you just hit your 20 and you vol it and you're done. So Even on, even on an aura bot, you've got so much area on the tree, it's not worth flipping them all. Like, you just need 21s. Like, there's just no... You just don't have quality on them. Like, you just, yeah, don't, so you just don't need it. Exactly. So I think that's a great point. Like, giving an alternative way to, you know, give some bonus to a skill, whereas before you you know, didn't have anything that you could particularly use for your build. I think it's that's pretty exciting. Mm. Now mm. to see the price of GCPs this league. <laughs> also, the price of Enhance should be higher and at least on par with Empower and Enlighten for once, which it never is. But some of the qualities on those active gems are important enough that we've seen so far that I might actually use Enhance with them. And if there's enough of them, then Enhance might actually be worth money. It could That's be worth leveling point. Enhance. What about an alternate quality Enhance? <laughs> oh. oh. Oh, God. Oh, oh my deeper. brain. <laughs> Do you think there will the be alternate hole? quality alternate quality All in power and as an enlighten? Mm. Mm, I don't know. Torah and research anyone? <laughs> yep, yep. Man, I love Torah and research. It's so good. Until recently, I didn't even know that the quality on on the empower, enhance, and enlighten. I mean, I, I knew that that gives increased quality gain, but I didn't know that it affected the Torah quality. Ah. That the Torah experience as well. That's insane. Now you can run foothills to make level three empowers and enhance and uh, Baylor Mage's favorite enhance and uh, sell those. <laughs> Uh, do you get a whole lot of him? I, I, I farmed so much quarry and foothills in the gauntlet race. I don't feel like it's super efficient for a syndicate at all. Maybe foothills is spawning them more frequently, but in quarry, I feel like maybe once every 10 runs. And then it's always only one encounter as opposed to maps where you get like three. Yeah. White maps are obviously faster if you can hoard the um, the syndicate, the or sorry, the uh, the Atlas missions. But I kind of came up with a funky system where I was kind of half seed farming, half syndicate farming in quarry in the gauntlet. <laughs> so where like I would I would reset the zone, and if I saw that it was a syndicate encounter in the zone, I'd go run that. If I saw the seed cache in view of the waypoint, I go grab that. So I was like kind of doing half and half. But that's only because I really, really needed Ashling so I could, you know, finish exploiting the game for my trigger socket spells. Yeah. Mm. Bloody trigger. Yeah. I, I totally wouldn't mind seeing a change to that. 
That we can talk about that in a moment. Well, in general, to like these these binary power spikes where you either have them or you don't have them. I mean, I wanted that to be an entire section on the podcast, but with all the heist stuff to talk about, we left it out of the topic outline and just kept it as a thought in the back of our head if we run out of topics, but maybe I could quickly bring it up now. So like, I wanted to talk about what we expect or hope to see get nerfed or buffed, like what kind of balance adjustments we hope to see or we expect to see. Yoji made a video... I mean, he also made the, the Honest Leak trailer video, but he also made a video a couple of days ago about what he thinks is going to get nerfed. And one of the points made was uh, that the glancing blows uh, life ES recovery on block meta is way too strong and that he'd like to see a change to that. And um, yeah, in general, what I would like to see is that with stats like recover X percent of life or ES on block, or with corrupted blood cannot be inflicted on you. And, you know, just as much with what we were just talking about, it would be cool if they were kind of split up so that it's not like a, well, you either have it or you don't have it, but that there's different ways of stacking it to a 100% chance, if that makes sense. So instead of having corrupted blood cannot be inflicted on you on a jewel, you can just get a chance to avoid bleeding, but at a much more higher likeliness, right? I like mean, you already immunity almost. Yeah, exactly. That it's diversified. That it's not either you have it or you don't, or which is like makes or breaks your build. But there's different ways, diverse ways to to stack to the point that you need it to be at. I mean, that, that's something I would like to see. I, I I don't. I've never really considered that to be an issue, but. Well, it's an issue when you cor like you corrupt a gem and you get it for first try, and then you corrupt two hundred, uh, not gems, jewels, and then you don't get it <laughs> at all, right? Like it's just yeah. super, super RNG. Either you have it or you don't. I'm not sure whether it's a problem. I mean, that's why why I bring it up, right? It's just my view on the game. I think it would be much more healthy if there was the same stat but like weaker and in different places so we could decide ourselves yeah. how we put it together similar like amy said with the uh, avoid elemental elements which i think is in a great place because you can get a little bit from crystal skin you can get a little bit from elemental focus up there from arcane swiftness in the tree but then you can also get it on the abyss jewels you can also get it uh, on different like item you can get it on a on an evasion shield you can get it on shaper boots you can get the crafts on gloves and helmet you can get the craft on the chest piece which is big but it's a prefix so it you know compromises how many defenses or life you can have on your item i feel like there's a a large you know wealth of different options for that particular stat but not so much for dealing with cb or dealing with other things mm. I Is, personally yeah. have no sense about whether, I mean, if you're bringing up the specific issue of corrupting blood, um, I mean, corrupting blood is kind of a landmine that you would prefer not to <laughs> run into and die suddenly to. Whereas I feel like elemental elements are a bit more like pervasive in the game. Um, and so you're kind of forced to build around those a bit more because they're kind of like an expected, you will run into these very regularly. And Corrupted Blood is kind of more of a, oops, I stepped on this, let me hit my staunching flask kind of thing. So mm. 
I'd agree it's, with that if it wasn't for the Cirrus fight. True, sure. Um, mm. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is um, <laughs> is it it's hard to uh, I think it's hard to comment on whether your proposed system would be better without seeing more specifics. Um, affix slots on gear are very limited. And it already costs quite a bit to go ailment immune. And maybe your point is that we should never be ailment immune and we should have to sacrifice a lot to go ailment immune and therefore bleeding immune too. Um, I don't know if that's better or not. Um, but ultimately, I think um, the notion of making defenses and immunities challenging to achieve isn't a bad one. Um, and it'd be healthy for the game to make the player make sacrifices to get big gains like that. So mm -hmm. it's a conversation I think worth having over long-term, I think. Well, just to be clear on my standpoint again, I think with elemental ailment immunity, it may be at a point where it's a little bit too easy to get it now, but that's also partly because of harvest crafting and we could just craft our helmet and gloves in the way that they had the free suffixes for the craft already. But I think ailment is in a good place as compared to CB, where next CB is just ultra binary. That's just what I don't like about it. Is like either you have it or you don't. There's no, no shade of gray. I feel like you're progressing towards getting it. It's it's yeah yeah black and yeah white. yeah exactly. The progression towards it, I guess, is what bothers me because with the elemental ailment immunity I, I you know i know hey i have to work towards this anoint that gives me another 15 percent, and then i need to unlock the craft in the bazaar map and i get another 20 percent on gloves and helmet and then i got it sorted out like you, you got you can break down the large abstract goals into smaller achievable goals and that it's it's like a checklist that is realistic to to check off at some point but with the cb jewel like i said it, it, it could just never happen so is your point that um, other similar mechanics like glancing blows um, be put in that similar sort of corner where like it's not just a binary click this keystone or vol this gem, get this massive defense boost, but those things should be more gradual to attain? Mm. I think I would be a fan of that direction because I think with elemental ailment immunity for a long time, I think before the, the tree changes with delirium or something like some time it wasn't that easy to get like you could there was certain ways to get it and uh but mostly you know you would get it when you have arcane search as a hierophant for example it would be like either you have it or you don't kind of and i definitely enjoy it more where it's you know your own unique solution to the puzzle where you can decide i have that much here and that much there and with glancing blows and and life recovery or es recovery is respectively I think that would be also cool if that would be a chance and not like either you have the stat on your shield or not. Like you could still have it so that the, the shaper's shields or the crusader shields um, give you the biggest part of that. But like I said, it would just be cool if it's not for every character that I play, it's the exact same path to get to that point yeah. of power. Like that, it's, yeah. it's just boring to every single player to character you make to get that jewel or not get that jewel it's not exciting yeah. like, it would be cool if there's like three four five different ways to deal with it and i'll also say on that note that it can be a little bit frustrating and daunting too i guess 
where ailment immunity, if you get, you know, you unlock the syndicate crafts and things like that, you know, you, you have, a, you've obtained those and you're, you're ready to go now. If you're playing in hardcore, for example, if you're, if you manage to hit a corrupted blood jewel and then you rip that jewel is gone. And now you essentially all of that effort that yeah. you put into that is gone. So it, I don't know. It it definitely hurts a lot more too. It, and I understand. And part of the game is, you know, you you want part of that pain and torture. You know, I, I get it. But yeah, I, I think I kind of I will agree with you that it it would be nice to even if it was, I guess technically it is right. You can get corrupting blood on uh, on gloves in Delve, right? Um, so I mean, true, I guess it technically true, you can. It, is possible. I forgot that exists, but yeah. Um, it's possible. It's very difficult, but yeah, you know, I think it would be a little bit nicer to see it somewhere else, even if it was still difficult to to actually get, but still available somewhere else. Mm -mm. But yeah, like, uh, do you have any any gripes with the game right now? Do you have any points where you would not this one in particular, but points where you said that definitely needs a change, if not next league, then the league after, or just in order to keep things fresh or fair or fun. I don't know. Is there any any particular? How things? long you got? How long you got? <laughs> I mean, just mention the most pressing ones. So my my gripes are kind of from like a more bird's eye view like game design perspective. There are a couple of things that I'd like to see reshuffled now that are kind of on the order of like, like remember when they removed double dipping in 3.0 or... Um, yeah. That, when they changed sort of AOE so like, scaling, when they changed CI. AOE, like, yeah, exactly. So um, I've got a couple of things that I'd like to see at least revisited or had conversations about um, among the designers maybe if they're not already. Um, so one thing I don't feel the game is in a very strong point with right now is early game skills and gems and balance between those. I can't imagine how many players we've lost that have tried PoE and tried out Reeve as their first skill mm. and went, this fucking sucks. I'm not playing this game anymore. Screw whereas, this game. Yeah. Whereas yeah, someone like their, their friend next to them at the land party is like, dude, I'm cruising through act four using zombies. Like there, there are wildly different experiences with these early game skills and gems that kind of train players what you're kind of allowed to do and not allowed to do in the game, and just simply making a wrong choice based on what you feel like you would enjoy doing better as a one hour into the game player, like yeah. stepping in on a landmine like that, I feel has not got to be good for the game and not got to be good for the new player experience. So I would really like to see early game balance of gems and skills and gear revisited in a major way. Mm. I actually said something very similar uh, yesterday. It came up because I was practicing leveling. And I think that the biggest thing is the gems that you have access to and the support gems that you have access to early game. I think a lot of them are very archaic to the, you know, the very early stages of PoE. And while a lot of newer gems have been added, some of the support gems are kind of lacking um, and it pigeonholes you into playing skills. And, and I get not having access to every single support gem out there. Um, 
but I, I think that you know somebody with knowledge of the game and how you know support gems work if they sat down and looked at some of the options that you had to support some of the the skills that you have early on they'd kind of be like well some of these just don't even make sense like why why do you have this to support half of these gems that's there's there's no point in this. Nobody's going to use that. Nobody's going to pick that as an option unless they're new and they don't know. And then it's trial by fire. Yeah, and then it's just feel bad. That is. See, I never think of that because we just we already know the good skills, so we just pick those. But that would that right. would suck. It, and like part of me really, and I get some some skills that you're going to use in end game aren't available until act three. And I, I get that. But part of me also really hates picking builds that, you know, you have to level as two or three other skills before you get to yours and to mm. have to kind of wade through, okay, well, what support gems do I want for each of these to make this feel as comfortable as possible until I get yeah. to the point where I can use my skill. Keep in mind, this is coming from a player that when I started, I a friend gave, gave me a tabula and I thought, oh, cool, six sockets. I'm putting six active skill gems in there. I, I didn't understand the concept <laughs> of support gems. I thought six skills were better yep. than one with supports. But, um, you know, I, I think looking back now and having done a lot of early, you know, act one, two and three leveling practice over time, I started to kind of pick up on things when you're trying new things. Okay, well, could this work? Nope, nope, this can't work. <laughs> this just feels terrible. I think they're doing quite a good job at transporting the idea or like uh, giving the player an idea of what is a support gem and what is an active skill gem and their relations to each other. But yeah, I definitely agree that we need less less noob traps and less mm. options that potentially lead down a frustrating path that leads to people uninstalling the game. I think Reeve is a good point. I haven't tried Reeve in a while. I really want to do a run with Reeve now. <laughs> it's really bad without like a lot of attack speed. A lot of attack speed saves it, but I wouldn't. You'd never use it early. No, I can't imagine because there's also like yeah. a lack of pack density, and it's just there's too much to walk in between packs where you'd lose all yeah. your Reeve stacks. And the fact that Valry feels almost mandatory for it to even gain an identity over yeah. something like Cleave or Lacerate is, in in my mind, it just kind of makes it like a junk skill. Like, it, it doesn't do anything until you have the alternate version of it. And even then, it only lasts for as long as there are monsters around you. So what are you going to do when, when you're in a boss and you're just kind of swinging your sword and your little Reeve wave goes out 20 units and that's it? Mm. That, I mean, that's got to be extremely frustrating for a new player who slaps that on and goes, dude, this looks cool. And then his friend is like, why are you still in Act 3? I'm in Act 7. and I'm playing zombies. Come on. Right. So I, I, I feel that the, the, the process of guiding new players through um, getting characters built up and running could be improved. And I think, you know, not punishing players for picking the wrong skill to experience the game with um, at the outset would be yeah. a good way. Because you know, when you first get into a game, you're you know you're lore heavy. You're like you're almost like role playing it. Like, yo, I want to be this crazy melee character and swing my big axe and and all this stuff. But there there is a there is a way to do that wrong from the very beginning. And 
you kind of don't want to punish players for you, you want to introduce them to your game and then punish them for playing it <laughs> and then punish them for playing it i mean yep that sounds i mean there's a difference between going into it knowing this is going to hurt and wow this is my first time this this is going to be great and then getting slapped across the face yeah i you know if you're signing up for it then cool enjoy your your attempt at a meme build that probably won't get you into red tier maps but you know looks really fun and interesting on screen in a, in a t3 <laughs> yeah, i mean for um, some people that's all they need just chain farm tier threes make mad profits Uh, so I guess another thing I would like to see, and again, this is more like long-term bird's-eye view things about the game that I'd love to see revisited. I'd love to see the conversion chain looked at again. The sort of arbitrary setup we have right now where it's fizz to mm -hmm. lightning to cold to fire to chaos. Like, I think it'd be cool if they could rework that somehow to allow us to convert, I don't know, say, cold to fizz, you know? And instead of like making elemental conversion and physical conversion to whatever, you know, work along this chain. Maybe, like, package conversion damage values and, like, then pull them at the end or something. I think that might make for some much mm. more interesting build ideas. It'd definitely be a very, uh, a very deep change into how the game works. But, yeah, it could be interesting. Definitely, definitely liked the idea in the past whenever it came up. Another thing that would be super cool in that along those lines would be... Uh, some sort of support gem that prevents conversion from happening. So uh, you could dis disable the mm. innate conversion that some skills like Frost Blades or Toxic Rain give to their damage. So you could, you know, rem have them remain physical rather than it being half converted. I mean... Huh. It would be disgusting in some, some scenarios, yes. Like I remember cool. Octavian requesting that one in particular for uh, for Scourge Arrow. The Scourge Arrow has that innate conversion to chaos, so you can't do a bleed version of Scourge Arrow because you'll just lose out. But if you could just deactivate that conversion, it would open a lot of potential builds. I feel like in some ways that runs kind of contrary to what seems to be their intention lately of like slotting skills and characters into archetypes. Um, so like their vision right now is that Pathfinder is this chaos attack skill archetype that sometimes does poison, sometimes doesn't. Um, well, but you also have elemental so, damage on Pathfinder. True too, yeah. Um, but like they seem to be moving that direction with skills as well. And that would kind of be like a drastic pivot for them to do something like that. I'm not saying it's not interesting. I think they should because, you know, I'm all for build diversity and having tons of, you know, ideas to muck around with in POB, even if they don't end up being viable, um, I think it would make for a much more interesting game. Hmm. Yeah. Man, there's so many possibilities with all these alternate quality gems. Every time just my brain's going back to it, what if that does happen? <laughs> what if one of these removes the thing? What if... <laughs> oh, right. You're right. That could, that could very well be something. Uh -huh. that, like it reduces conversion, the quality on one like alternate thing. It could, could be anything. I need an entire spreadsheet with all of these things. 
And I really enjoyed the uh, the the contributions, but the topic shaped up a little bit different than I uh, when I initially introduced it. Can we quickly go into ourselves and think for a moment about the balance state of the current game? What do you like or hope or expect to see for the next patch? Like I, I like the helicopter vision kind of thing, and like what in general what would be cool to see Sorry. change over a larger amount of time. No, it was a really good discussion to be had, but. Uh, but outside of the pretty obvious block meta that has to be addressed in one way or another next league, possibly, with either how easy it is to get block or how easy it is to get recovery on block, um, what else are the obvious outliers where we're like, well, that's, that's going to get a tap on the head? Do you guys think, and I think that's something I talked about with a lot of people already and got a lot of opinions on already, but do you think Spellslinger... Um, needs to be addressed in one way or another because it's super popular for leveling right I now. I said that I've been a little bit afraid that Spellslinger was going to get hit just given the amount of publicity and how common it was, especially when you were, if you look back at like the gauntlet and the China race to see how many people were using it, I would be surprised if it didn't get a, get a slap and tickle. Hmm. I don't Back not saying I that. want that, but <laughs> do you think it deserves it? Um I feel like Spellslinger is great for leveling and maybe very early maps. I don't necessarily feel like it translates all that well into really late game. Not saying that's not doable, but I I I think in the sense where, you know, the majority of people will transition away from Spellslinger once they get into maps. Um yeah. I don't necessarily know that it's the because what we saw was everybody racing with it and it was incredibly OP and but that was also got to keep in mind in Harvest League right where yeah. all of your other gear was amazing and you could make your gear anything that you wanted so out of that context I'm curious I know that people were using Spellslinger before but I'm curious if it you know it made it look like it was as strong, like maybe stronger than it truly was because it was Harvest League. Mm. Or maybe that it was more viable in later in the later game than it actually is because you were able to craft your gear as perfectly as you were. I, I mean, I just, I just don't think it was that strong to begin with. I think it's really, really, really overrepresented because of how smooth and easy it is early. But it's the same thing you said. Like it just it falls off in the end game. The only somewhat exception is VD. The rest of Spellslinger is very lackluster once you start yeah. hitting yellow maps. Yeah, and you can push it through yellow maps, but it's not going to feel great. So and you can yeah in Harvest yeah you can you can push you can push it all the way into late red maps and do Awakener 8 and everything and it was fine because it was Harvest and you could make anything work and they were just after the smoothest, fastest, safest thing they could do because racing, which was that. But it doesn't... It just doesn't go well normally in the late game. Um, so that was... Spellslinger is definitely one of the things that was kind of on my radar and I was also a little bit concerned about the state of Trickster because it seems like that is the one of the more predominant ascendancies that you're you're seeing it just feels 
so versatile and so tanky for when you're over on that side of the tree. It, it, you almost have that kind of, I won't say indestructible because clearly that's not the case, but you, <laughs> you are given, you know, a lot more defensive layers than I think some of the other ascendancies. Yeah, Trickster's real good. Trickster has been uh, uh, a people's favorite for a while now. Like, I mean, it's not just with the Gauntlet race and not just with this last league, I think. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we've, we've seen a fair bit of Trickster. I wouldn't be surprised if Trickster gets adjusted a little bit. Same as Necro and Gladiator. I mean... On the one hand, the PoE community is always extremely polarized. Like, even if things are relatively comparable in power level, people will still play like 90% the more powerful thing and then 10% the little bit less powerful thing. So I don't know. I don't know how much I would care about the player numbers there, but clearly it's with the block meta being, you know, one of the best defensive options. I think Necro and Gladiator get to block cap way too easily in comparison to other classes. Isn't that mm. supposed to be Gladiator's whole identity? Yeah, it kind of is. Oh, Gladiator has also a little bit of bleed, right? But Yeah. Like bleed and block, is that's its whole thing. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not sure how they're going to change that, but I, I just think that the entire... Yeah, it's just too overrepresented. And I think that's the same about Spellslinger. Maybe it's not actually factually better than other things, maybe not even while leveling, even though I think I'd agree that, or I'll argue that convenience or like ease of access, ease of use is also power level, especially in PoE. Like if, if I don't have to pay attention to placing like the perfect rotation of four buttons, but I can just spam right click all the time, then mm. that's definitely worth little bit of power loss and i think with the only change that i would suggest to spellslinger which would be a 20 percent less damage multiplier to linked skills that scales down to zero at level 20 so literally not changing it for end game at all but like just making it 20 percent weaker while leveling it would still be used by everyone i think yeah. doesn't sound unfair but I mean, the, the worst thing that can happen is they change the reservation costs that would throw a lot of plants under the bus. Yeah, it really would. And I think I, that's another reason why it's not really incredibly viable in Endgame either with Spellslinger is that you're you have to you'd have to fight to get your auras in and you know, really work around reduced mana reserved and all that jazz. So hopefully that's something that's taken into consideration, but we shall see. I think it's most likely that they don't necessarily nerf stuff based on balance. I think they nerf stuff based on popularity, which quite often lines up with balance. So if you're not paying like a super, super large amount of attention, it could look that way. But I think they just do it based on popularity to shift the meta around. So it's somewhat likely it gets hit, even though I don't believe it deserves it at all. Unless it's Molten Strike. In that case, it'll get another nerf too. Or Cyclone by 5%. Because I don't know, I think that's just on the checklist. Um, yeah, I think that's the important. Cyclone thing to keep getting nerfed again. 
yeah, of course I was getting nerfed. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's the important thing to keep in mind when when people talk about whether a skill is getting nerfed or not. Like, no one is telling anyone that your skill should be weaker and that you should be a worse player or something. It's just like trying to anticipate GGG's response to metas and how they're going to shift things. Um, mm. I feel like that conversation often gets a little bit heated sometimes, and I kind of wish it didn't because I'd like to have it more. Um, my personal feeling is like if you if you look at the sort of landscape of builds, you kind of start to notice patterns like what things are almost every build using. Um, and one of those things that stands out to me is Enduring Cry. The recovery from Enduring Cry is insane. Good and call. everyone's got it on left click. And everyone's recovering. Like it's, it's practically a healing spell. You just yell really loud, and all of a sudden, you're not dead anymore. And I feel like the, the endurance charge generation is, is fair game, but I feel like the recovery is a little too extreme. Like, isn't it like 2.1k or something? Like it's insane. It's better than a life flask. Mm-hmm. Better than a whole life flask, but used in one second. And just on cooldown for free. Yeah, well, not so for free, but if you're down that corner of the of the of the tree at all, you just take that one point instant and done. Let's go. That's right. Yeah. So if if I'm being asked, like, what do I think is gonna get, you know, what toy is being taken away from us, I think it might be enduring cries recovery. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. That that one's fairly obvious as well, and that's also something that way too often, like while I'm playing and I'm actually actively using Enduring Cry, I'm like, wow, this is way too good. I would have had to log out if it wasn't for Enduring Cry, or I would have had yeah. to, you know, zone out and refill my flasks. But because of Enduring Cry, I was just able to stick into this in in this situation and just get the boss done. So I wouldn't be surprised at all, and actually, I would probably greet it and be happy to to receive some well-needed nerfs. Enduring Cry has really been one of the big, big winners of the Enduring Cry rework. Yeah, and the, the thing with Keystones is they're supposed to provide some kind of appreciable drawback. But for builds that use Enduring Cry on left-click to provide a bunch of free recovery, only being able to use one Warcry is not really a drawback because you know they're socket-starved and could probably only use that one anyway. I mean, what what am I going to do as a summoner? Am I going to throw in yeah. some other war cry? I've got plenty of other buttons to hit. In general, I think most builds would like to have Infernal Cry as well because that gives the explosions and it helps with porcupines. But yeah, most people who would want to go for the instant, you know, left-click cheese, Enduring Cry kind of thing would would not want or consider a second war cry. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about that automation. The more I can automate my character, the better. I would never consider using a war cry at all without it being on left click an instant. If I can't get to that part of the tree, I just don't use a war cry at all. Hmm. I'd have to press it. Of exile. it. Depends on yeah. what kind of build I'm running, but with my cold damage over time slingers and I felt like I had enough time during the boss fights where I didn't need to apply my damage because my damage was already ticking down. So I could either use the time to reposition or to use the war cry. So I didn't really need the instant war cries there. But uh, yeah, and also I mean, it's, kind it's of like to true. use it. I just don't want to press the button. Yeah, I just like <laughs> to use it as a reactive button to, you know, like damage coming in. Okay, now I cry. 
rather than you know oh i already cried and now i have to wait like and walk around awkward two more seconds until the automatic cry goes out I, I personally don't feel there's anything wrong with automating enduring cry on your left mouse button i just feel like if i were a game designer i would look at that and go hmm automated recovery of about a third to a half of your hit point ball i might want to take a look at that you know so i'd i'd personally would reduce the recovery but i mean who knows if they're going to do anything what they're going to do if they don't do it i'm still going to abuse it i'm i play this game too yeah yeah yep. totally no but reduced recovery or increased cooldown would be totally fair on enduring cry mm. totally fair what about you baylor <sighs> i don't I've sort of almost given up trying to figure out what's going to get hit. How about Don Blow? Uh, I don't see them hitting that. But Sunder going to get reverted? I, I see them hitting Glancing Blow, despite the fact that it actually got hit this league. It's harder to use than it's ever been. Its opportunity cost is higher than it's ever been. It's just that other people didn't realize that they could put it on, I guess... I guess too many people didn't know about Legion jewels or were just too scared to use them because there isn't a build in which it's easier to get glancing blows than it was before. Of Every course. single build that was using it, it is harder now than it was before. No, builds it that want to use another timeless killstone. Yeah, but it but you can use divine flesh on build. top on top of glancing blows now, which previously you couldn't. I've never wanted anything except glancing blows. You never wanted divine flesh? Uh, no, because I don't like life builds. Oh, fair enough. That's that's the wrong colored health. <laughs> My health should be blue. But but the 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 main point there is the opportunity cost of getting glancing blows is is higher now than it's ever been, making it less good than it's been since Legion. But this Lee. Everybody's obsessed with it. Everybody's like, oh, this is so strong. This needs to be nerfed. Ah, everybody's using this. And I I'm don't like, think Lancing Blows yeah, itself is too it. strong. I think the ES and life recovery on block is too strong and it's too and maybe the raw block values of certain things like bone offering and and shields and stuff like that need to take into consideration how easy it is to get glancing blows now. And glancing blows is just some mitigation though. Like it's not. Yeah, I wouldn't want glancing blows to change at all. Honestly, I'd I'd much rather have them address the the recovery on block or the ways to get block. Mm. Okay, but yeah, still people like like a lot of people are obsessed with glancing blow getting nerfed now because I don't know it appeared on the tree and they suddenly noticed it existed. <laughs> but best case scenario absolute best case scenario, like the, the builds that are least impacted by the change we got to Glancing Blows, it now costs you two extra, uh, sorry, one extra passive point and negative 10 to all elemental resistances, which we didn't have before. That is the absolute best case scenario, whereas in many builds, it's costing as much as eight passive points to get that it, we weren't spending before. Mm. Like, like that's So it's somewhere between one passive point and minus 10 to all elemental and eight passive points. Extra investment compared to every single league since Legion came out. 
Meaning it's already been nerfed. And just, whew, I don't know, just everyone's suddenly on the this is OP train and it just confuses me. My, my brain hurts. So like, they were fine with it before, then we made it harder to get and now everyone's complaining about it. And I don't get it. I don't get it. It just does my head. Confu- I'm confused. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just confused. It's just the nature of the of a, of a meta, right? Like the, it's currently meta, and maybe without changing anything, it'll go away. Who knows? There might be some other insane OP mechanic that <laughs> comes and obsoletes it at some point in the future, and we'll all be bitching about that. Life gain on dodge. <laughs> <laughs> How do I get that? Can I have that? Oh, that would I, be I would good. like some of that, please. Because uh-huh. <laughs> dodge is technically also a little bit better, but. Uh, I mean, you can't raise the dodge cap, though. But before we go too long over time, should we do, like, one quick closing round? I got a really fun one, because all people always, like, patch notes, patch notes. But without patch notes, assuming the league starts tomorrow, you don't get patch notes, what are you going to start with? Just based on the theme of the league and based on, like, the in and out strat, what, what what would be your starter build if you had to come up with one now and the league starts in like an hour? You don't get patch notes. Phase run smoke mine with all black MTX. Yeah. Dark side. <laughs> I was thinking Pathfinder as well for the, the movement speed during Flask Effect. And for gaining I'm flasks going. without killing. What are you going, I think, Amy? I think I'm going Cold Dot, probably Arctic Breath, uh, Creeping Frost, whatever you want to call it. Um, probably Trickster. I'm trying out Trickster right now. I've run it pretty far as a cultist, um, but I want to see how it feels as Trickster first, but but most likely Trickster without patch notes. Yeah, it makes sense. In the current state, without any patch notes or any changes, there are only two options for me. Cold Dot Slinger. Or Spectres. That's it. Cold Dot Slinger would be a trickster for you as well. I would be Spectres because I haven't planned enough of the Cold Dot yet. Yeah. But I mean, if I had to start an hour, I'd be either Bleed Bow or Spectres. I don't think that anybody doing the Cold Dot Slingers is doing it right. Um, So I've been playing around and fixing it. That's uh, yeah. What about you, Kyle? It still needs some work, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'd be doing my like if I had to start now, I'd probably be doing my um, my wrong version of the cold dot slinger. Um, but if I had like an hour to plan, I'd probably be looking into into Pathfinder and seeing what I could do. Like I, I kind of want to think that. Toxic Rain Pathfinder would be an option, but it's way too weak for a leak start, I think. Like Toxic Rain, you either want to be Occultist or Trickster. Maybe even Deadeye, but Pathfinder just seems like not good enough. But I've done that in Metamorph, and I've... I don't want to say done well, because I haven't, but like it could have been worse. (laughs) So like... I don't know, as long as I can do low-level heists and like do them reasonably fast and swiftly without getting stuck in things and like just yeah running through it i think it would be great to go with a pathfinder but i'd probably reroll relatively soon as soon as i figured out what would be better 
but starting with like a ascendancy class that already gets base mobility from the class itself and then going with like an archetype that basically scales off of level like toxic rain seems like a good combo yeah move speed is going to be important yeah another speed clear leak <laughs> all right uh well i think we naturally uh depleted ourselves on the topics uh do you quickly want to give yourself a shout out and tell the people where they can find your stream and what they can be excited to see there in the uh, next couple of days or weeks of uh, the impending league start amy do you want to go first sure um so for the next couple of weeks, I will probably be trying to tease out any uh, little hiccups along the way with cold dot uh, builds. I'm going to be practicing because I'm apparently going to be starting uh, SSFHC for Ziz's uh, The Awakener event in some degree. I don't know that I'm going to be competitive in it, but I'm doing it. So there's that if you want some uh, how not to kill Awakener 8 in sssfhc come on bye <laughs> sounds good it's uh, twitch.tv slash amy underscore cat yep all right guys so make sure to check out that stream leave a follow and uh and learn something about that uh trickster cult dot stuff uh aphelion what what are you going to be doing in the next couple of days uh well the next couple of days um I'm going to be picking back up with PoE. Um, I've had a little bit of wrist trouble, so I haven't been able to play as much lately, but um, I'll be dabbling some more in a little hardcore private league that we've been doing among friends and probably throwing some kind of fun leveling event or something just to say thank you to everyone for uh, putting up with me while I was doing the gauntlet for a week and not reading much chat. Um, <laughs> we like to do fun leveling streams on on my stream and not just have the same you know, regular run through the acts kind of thing. Um, I'll sometimes put on costumes or invite chat to mess with my leveling experience or whatever. So um, we might be doing one of those um, in addition to playing around in HC. And when League starts, we'll be blasting and seeing how far we get and diving into the content. Um, Twitch.tv forward slash Aphelion PoE. Are you also going to be participating in the HCSF League start race or you're going to be uh, focusing on the currency grind and Softcore. I don't know. I always enjoy the currency grind and the general hysteria of league starts and softcore, but it seems like a fun event. Um, I mean, I've only done a proper hardcore character to maps once, and that was in the gauntlet. Maybe this is my second chance at it. Um, it's a lot easier without the gauntlet. <laughs> I can, yeah. It feels like a walk in the park this time around. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think a lot of our friends are getting annoyed at how much we're talking about how much easier SSFHC is than the gauntlet. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, I'm open to it, but I'm not any kind of serious competitor or anything. But, you know, I enjoy experiencing things for the first time and maybe I give it a shot. Uh, I think that'll be like, like most things that have to do with my Path of Exile experience. It'll be a 10 minutes beforehand decision. So we'll see. Oh, awesome. I, I know that feeling. Like you, you know for a couple of days already what you're gonna play, and then like 20 minutes before leak start, everything is changing. You're like, oh no, we're we going this. 
<laughs> and then the most important thing, you get to that the screen when you create a character and you don't know what to name your first build. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got the perfect POB planned out, know which gem take yep. to take from which vendor reward, and then you get stuck at the character naming. Wait, specified character name already exists? Oh no, what am I going to do? Story of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, and Valor, uh, can people be excited to see more uh, jungling content in the next couple of days from our aspiring uh, League gamer? Uh, I tell you what, up until we get patch notes, like three quarters of my stream is just going to be League of Legends. Like I'm going to start on PoE, go through everything, go through all the new stuff, bait people into joining, and then switch. <laughs> Like awesome. that's 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 all that's happening until we get patch notes. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious which which ones of the suggested uh, cyclone nerfs in chat we're gonna see in the actual patch notes. So, probably all of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, for myself, I'm probably gonna do some some mad uh, some mad level practice stream, trying to get a decent time again. Because as much as I think I agree, you know, the, the league or SSFHC feels much easier now after the gauntlet, I still think my leveling will be kind of off because I'll either over prepare or under prepare because I just have a completely wrong idea of the power level that I have to have at each state of the <laughs> game, stage of the game. Yep. So definitely going to be looking to get that back into tune. And um, for the league start itself, I'm not exactly sure. I might be moving houses relatively soon and might that might overlap with the league start. So if there's something that prevents me from going all in, I might not play SSFHC this time, but start in a small private league. Like if Ziggy D and Tarky Cat are doing their small community private league again, I might join that. Just, you know, for the first two, three weeks, do like a chill softcore league start. Try out all the things. Try out all the... Uh, all the heist mechanics and then with that knowledge of you know what's dangerous what's not dangerous what's rewarding what's not rewarding what do you want to do what do you want to avoid then go and do a fresh restart and hardcore and and practice for hopefully a lot of end of league events that are to come in this next league mm. i feel like the the community event organization has really reached another level like yeah. you know mostly totally thanks to Zizrin and his homies but there's also other people doing great events brittle knee is putting in a lot of work with community event races i think we're overlapping right now with like one of their uh events the, the like charity a charity race stuff yeah. Has started. yeah yeah more events more content great for the community yeah yep. i think it's I'm definitely like, high. I'm not a racer at all, but I I still love these events because I like watching them. Like I'm I, I I'm I'm just a viewer when this happens now. Like that's which is yeah. perfectly fine. We should do like a faded connection special edition where we just sit here and comment on the stuff happening in the race <laughs> someday. Just eat popcorn and you know go full peanut gallery. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Backseat gaming at its finest. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. 
This episode is, as usually, going to be available on all the audio platforms that we can be found on, as well as Balor Mage's YouTube in full. And uh, the next episode will be, if we get it together, already on the 12th of September, going over all the teasers that we'll see in the next coming league, uh, next coming week. And uh, until then, I wish you guys all a happy teaser season, good practicing, and uh, catch you on the next one. Thanks, Aphelion and Amy, for coming on again. It was awesome to have you. Thank, Thank you. So you. Much. Thank you very, very Bye. much.